Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are talking all about the first steps for the newly engaged. Maybe you got engaged over Christmas or on New Year's Eve, and you've always dreamed of a Disney wedding, or you've never dreamed of a Disney wedding, but you're starting to think about your options and you found out that Disney does weddings. What are the steps you should take if this is something that you want to investigate? Today, I am joined once again by Christy Summers, who has a great unique perspective on the planning that they did when they were first engaged. And so together we are going to go over the different steps and give you tips that will help set you on the path to your dream Disney's fairy tale wedding. Welcome, Christy. Thanks for having me, Carrie. Well, thanks for being on the show today. I can't wait to talk a little bit about how you guys did it and your perspective. I know that for me and Patrick, when we got engaged, we got engaged at Disney in Disneyland and the first thing I researched was a Disneyland wedding. And when they told me that in order to get married in the place I wanted to get married, I'd have to have, you know, a $60,000 wedding. And actually, I couldn't even get married in the Court of Angels. It would have to be in front of the castle. And I didn't want it in front of the castle. I pretty much abandoned the idea. And we started looking into local weddings. And it wasn't until I found out how reasonably priced Walt Disney World weddings are that we then swung back and ended up getting married in Epcot. So today, let's go over the steps. What are the first things you need to figure out to see if this is is even doable. Okay, so the first one, decide whether you can afford it. And that can be tricky because there's not a lot of information on Disney's site beyond just the basic prices. So let's go over what those basic prices are and then talk a little bit about what that really means. <laughs> because maybe before you even do that, you need to familiarize yourself with how much weddings cost, the type of wedding you're looking for. If you're looking for a backyard barbecue or something you know, very small in a local church or something, Yes, you can definitely get away for doing it less than the national average. But if you're thinking about doing a big ballroom wedding at a local hotel, you may find that Disney is something you can afford. So starting with the various collections, the very smallest one offered at Walt Disney World is the Memories Collection, and that's $2,495, and it's only for six people, including the bride and groom, so it's definitely an elopement, and I think a lot of the people who pick this, they don't bring any guests, it's just the two of them. But it's a great way if you were going to elope anyway and you love Disney, or if you're headed to Disney for a trip and you decide, what the heck, let's get hitched while we're there, it can be a good option. So the next biggest collection is the Escape Collection, and that one's really an all-inclusive package. It has all the basic stuff that you would need for a wedding, and you can invite up to 20 people, including yourself and the bride or groom. So that starts at $4,925 for the outdoor locations, and then goes up by $1,000 if you want to have it in the wedding pavilion, and maxes out at $6,200 if you want to have it in the Canada pavilion at Epcot. And that's because it includes transportation backstage for your 
your guests. Now, the other thing to know is that if you decide to have your escape event on a Saturday or a Sunday, you will have to spend a minimum of $8,000, including the package. So you would just add, you know, maybe you'd add a catered event or a dessert party or, you know, just a whole lot of floral or something, but you would have to spend total $8,000 with Disney. Now, they do have the escape collection at Disneyland, and it's a little bit different. That package actually includes a meal, and those start at $5,000 out in Disneyland. So then the next highest package, and the one that most people look at because it allows more guests, I mean, it's a minimum of 20, I think they now say, all the way up to whatever. Those minimums, they start at $12,000 and top out at $20,000. And it's not a package, so you're not buying a $12,000 package. You just have to spend that much money with Disney on all the different aspects of your day, which is very easy to do. And they're even doing a special offer that they've now extended. It was going to expire at the end of 2012, but up until February 2013 now, they are offering a $10,000 minimum if you have your wedding on certain days of the week at certain times of day. So you can find out all that information on Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings website, but that might make it a little bit more palatable, especially if you're on the fence between an escape collection or a wishes collection, the $10,000 minimum can make it seem more manageable. Just don't forget that you're going to have a couple thousand dollars more of tax and service charge on top of that. So escape might be a more cost-effective option. And now they also have wishes weddings at Disneyland, and those minimums range from $12,000 to $18,000. So a little bit cheaper, but things out in LA are, I find, a little bit more expensive. So <laughs> it maybe it all balances out in the end. And then the Couture Collection is available on both coasts, and that has a $65,000 minimum with $55,000 of that just for a decor package. These are the weddings designed by David Tutera, and they have four different looks that you can customize, and it's all very much like a magazine-style wedding. Like if you want over-the-top, everything decorated, draping, lights, really done up, Sometimes this can be a good option because you kind of get everything without having to select it individually. Um, but for a lot of people, it's just way out of their range and they end up looking at a wishes collection event. Yeah, that's a huge jump there between the two, the wishes and the couture. Yeah, and what's so funny to me is it's all decor, which I, like I say, I guess you could do it individually and maybe spend more like, okay, I want to add these crystal lamps and I want to add vases that look like this and bring in this eye sculpture and blah, blah, blah. Whereas if you pay for the package, you just plunk down your money and they're like, look, here's everything you possibly need. Yeah. <laughs> But it's definitely for a certain somebody who's already got a very high threshold. I think that the person who's going to spend the average, which is about $24,000 right now, is the national average for a wedding, is probably not going to be looking at couture. It's more someone who is going the platinum wedding route from the beginning, I think. Yeah, that's true. And do they offer the couture in Disneyland or just in Disney World? They do, yeah. And it's interesting because the looks are slightly different. Like, I guess it, it depends on what they have available to them. So like the linens and the chairs and the things are not identical between the two coasts. It's interesting that they would have different options, but I guess to fit the different venues and everything as well. Right. And then another thing you can do if you want to learn more about each of the different collections, there are episodes of this podcast for Memories, Escape, and Wishes. And we have done interviews with real brides and grooms who have done Disneyland weddings, Disney World weddings. So look back through the archive of shows and you'll probably find one devoted to what you're interested in. And it's nice, especially when you listen to somebody else's real live experience to know, you know, what is it really going to be like from start to finish? What's the day going to be like? What are the costs going to be like? I always loved reading about real weddings when I was starting to get an idea of where we wanted to have ours. 
Yeah, so did I. And they were always really hard to come by, too. <laughs> and pictures. At the time, we were planning, like, nobody had good pictures. So my trip report is full of ginormous pictures. <laughs> yes, thankfully, too, because, yeah, it was so impossible to come come across pictures. And, I mean, even still today, Disney doesn't really offer many pictures in their own galleries. Right, so right. any information you could get was <laughs> very valuable. Right. And now don't forget when you're starting to think about your budget that there are plenty of expenses that are not paid to Disney. So say you're looking at a $12,000 minimum, well, you're still going to have things that aren't going to apply to that minimum like formal wear, your entire travel, your honeymoon, rings, the officiant, anything that you're not buying directly through Disney. If you want outside photography or videography, that would also not count toward the minimum. So even if you have a $12,000 minimum, you still could have a $24,000 wedding depending on what you're going to buy. Well, and also, aren't you required to have so many nights booked through Disney um, yourself? Like, I know for the escape package, right, you have to have so many nights booked with Disney, which would be a cost outside of the, the package. Exactly. Yeah. Memories collection is two nights. Escape collection is four nights. And then wishes, you actually have to fill a room block, which we will devote a whole show to, I promise, because it sounds very complicated. It's not as complicated as it sounds, but you basically set aside rooms for you and your guests. And if you set up a room block, you're required to fill at least 10 nights. So yeah, they don't have to all be you, but it can help, especially if you're doing like a two-week honeymoon, you can fill the 10 nights right there. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So what I did and what I hear is very helpful for lots of brides and grooms when they're trying to figure out if they can even afford a Disney wedding is to make a sample budget. And you can use Excel, you can use a Google Doc. I put one in the back of Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons in the ebook version that you can fill in all the fields on your computer and it will calculate everything for you. So you don't have to know how much tax is and you don't have to know what gets a service charge. This form knows it for you. And what you would do is just you can get prices that other brides and grooms have paid by reading things like there's a thread on the disboards in the weddings and honeymoon section. It's called Share Your Budget, and I'll put a link to it in the post for this show. And people literally share their budget breakdown. So sure, you're not getting married at the same time they are or whatever, but you'll know, okay, this is about what they paid for chairs. This is what it cost for their steak dinner. And you can use these as a rough estimate. You plug those numbers into this self-calculating budget, and it figures out, okay, what's going to have the service charge, what has tax, and it will give you a total how much you would end up paying to Disney so you can see if you'd meet the minimum and how much you would then pay yourself on top of that. Another place to get prices is in the Passporter. I've tried to put in lots of sample prices for things like floral and decor and all the prices for venues, food and beverage minimums that apply to each venue, bar packages, the rough estimate of what each type of meal is going to cost you. There are tons of prices and they're always updated in the Passporter. So that can be a good place to go dig up the prices of things that you want for your potential wedding. And I have to say, I have to give you a shameless plug for <laughs> the, the Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Passporter because I'm an Excel junkie. I love Excel. I create spreadsheets for everything. And uh, so when we were planning, I had Excel spreadsheets galore. And this is prior to your book coming out. So once the book came out and then it had all the service fees and everything that it would add automatically for you, it was a godsend. So <laughs> for those that are planning, save yourself from the headache buy the book because those planning sheets will really come in handy for you. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I don't think that plug was shameless at all. <laughs> <laughs> so then step two. So you decide, okay, I think we can swing this. You know, we'll do this kind of collection or we'll invite this number of people. You need to start thinking about a date pretty early on because it can affect a lot, especially price. So you don't have to get an exact date, 
But even just picking the month or the season that you want to go will help you narrow down costs and, you know, how everybody's going to get there, who's going to be able to go. Some people pick a meaningful date, like the date of their first date or their the anniversary of their meeting. In the past few years, the numerical dates have been popular. Of course, 12, 12, 12 was the last one there, except for maybe 11, 12, 13. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, Valentine's Day is popular. Christmas time is popular. So those are all things to think about. But again, just know that if it's popular, you may have trouble getting the location that you want, especially if you want the wedding pavilion. And it may actually cost more. Sometimes they raise the minimums that are required if they're very popular times. I will say one thing too that helps is that if you're having a wedding at home, having a wedding Monday through Friday is kind of a pain in the butt. People have to take off work and then everyone's sort of moaning and groaning about it to you know help yourself save some money. But when you're doing a wedding away like this, to do it on a Monday through a Thursday, it makes sense because you're traveling, you're on vacation and you're away. And then that will help save you some of the costs too, by not having to have it on a Saturday or a Sunday. Definitely. So first let's, you look at the season. What time of year do you want to go? I looked at what are the best times of year to visit Walt Disney World based on what we like, which is low crowds and low prices. So we went in the, we were going to go over President's Day weekend in February, and then we found out it's like the second most crowded time of year there after Christmas, which we had no idea. Plus, all the prices were super high. It was like, I don't if it wasn't top season, it was the next one down. Whereas by moving our date two weeks earlier to the beginning of February, it went right down to value season. Airfares were lower. The crowds were lower. The weather was great. And it was just a two-week switch, and we saved a ton of money. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So and then so you think about high and low seasons for airfares and hotels. Obviously, if you're a teacher, you're going to be limited by when you can get off. But if, say, you get out of school early in May, that can be a good time to go because it's before most of the other schools get off. Or if you have maybe an in-service or some sort of holiday that not a lot of school districts get, that could be another time to go. And then holidays, a lot of people like to go to the holidays. It's very popular to get married at Christmas, also in October during the Food and Wine Festival and when they're doing Halloween. But it can be crowded and the minimum expenditures can be higher, especially at the holidays. There are certain expenses that actually double or triple depending on what day of the week they are if you're in December. So that's something to keep in mind. And then, of course, thinking about what's convenient for your guests. We originally picked President's Day because we thought, okay, all the teachers will be out of school and people will have a three-day weekend. Well, it turned out that they actually would have preferred not to go that weekend. They told us they wanted to take time off of work and go two (laughs) weeks earlier, and that would be easier for them. So maybe that was just the school district of our guests, but it's something to consider. You could even poll some of the most important guests, your family and friends, and see when would be convenient for them. And then, as Christy mentioned, the day of the week is the next thing to think about. Like she was saying, you don't usually think of like a Tuesday wedding or whatever. Most people, when they think wedding, they think Saturday night. But when you're at Walt Disney World, your whole schedule's out the window anyway, and you can save a ton of money if you do a weekday instead of a weekend, and even more money, we'll talk about this in a second, if you do a morning on a weekday. So day of the week, the wishes minimum expenditures are higher on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Escape weddings cost more if you do Saturday or Sunday because you have that minimum minimum that doesn't apply if you do it during the week. And then airfares are cheaper on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. So like we had a Monday wedding, which meant that people could fly in on a Saturday, fly out on a Tuesday, and get the lowest fares, which was really helpful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just to think that much into it for the convenience of your guests, too, that helps quite a bit. 
Right. And, you know, sometimes you have a case where you just you have to do it on a Saturday because people want to fly in on a Friday and leave on a Sunday. But if they're at all flexible, they can save a lot if they're willing to travel during the week. And then you can save a lot by having a wedding during the week. And then the last thing to consider is what time of day. Again, most of the time when you think of weddings, you think of like the sunset ceremony and then the evening reception in a ballroom with lots of dancing. And you can totally do that at Disney. But you can also save a ton of money if you have a morning ceremony and a morning or early afternoon reception. For the Wishes Collection at Walt Disney World, the minimums are lower if you have an 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 10 a.m. ceremony. And they're only slightly higher if you have a noon ceremony, whereas in the evening, everything goes way up. And the time of day you pick, it can really dictate the feel of the reception. Uh, We wanted a casual brunch, so to us it was okay that we got married at 9 a.m. and then we had a brunch that was over by 2. Then we all got back together again in the evening for a fireworks dessert party. But if you really do have your heart set on an evening sort of formal black tie event with dancing and everything, that's going to end up costing you more. Well, and then the plus side of having the morning wedding is that you have an excuse to have Mickey waffles at your reception. I mean, that alone right there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's cause to have it in the morning, right? Right, right. And I always go back to this, but Mickey waffles are also cheaper than steak. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and you don't want a steak shaped like Mickey. You really don't. <laughs> Uh, And also, especially if you're not huge on having alcohol at the wedding or you're on the fence, if you have a morning event, you can get away without doing any alcohol or you can do mimosas or something that's cheaper because people aren't going to be expecting a full bar at a 10 a.m. wedding. They just aren't. Hopefully. Hopefully. And if they are, well, that's a different set of problems. (laughs) (laughs) Tell them to bring a flask. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Uh, Okay, so you've decided you can afford it. You've picked a date or a rough estimate, a window in which you want to get married. The next step is to estimate the number of guests that you will have. And this can be tough because you can invite 300 people and 30 will come, or you can invite 50 people and 49 will come. Sometimes it can be tricky to figure out who's going to come. And of course, certain collections limit the guest count, which can be good or bad. You know, maybe if you don't want your sixth cousins to be there and all of your parents' friends, it can be great to have an escape because then you can lay down the law and just say, only 18 guests. But if you do have a huge family and you know most of them are going to be able to come, you're probably looking at a wishes event. The response rate for destination weddings on average is 50% to 75%, but Disney reports that they get a higher than average response rate. I think it depends a lot on your distance from Disneyland or Walt Disney World and how familiar with the parks your guests are. So like we live on the West Coast, our family is scattered all over, but most of them are in the West and they are not like people who make pilgrimages to Walt Disney World every year. So that wasn't a huge draw for them and it wasn't something a lot of them could envision doing. So of the 55 people we invited, we ended up getting 34, I think it was. Now, if you live in New Jersey and your family goes down for Jersey week every year and you have a condo there or it's just been a family tradition for everybody to go there, you're probably going to get a higher response rate than we did. That was an issue with us too, because we're, you know, we're also on the West Coast. So when we were planning our guest list, it was really more of a guest list because <laughs> Most of my family has never traveled to Walt Disney World. My mom has been there, and then uh, that's pretty much it. My grandma, because she had lived there at at one point, but we weren't sure if anyone else was really going to be willing to spend the money to go out there. And when we talked to family before we sent out invites or save the dates or anything like that, um, everyone was was sort of on the fence. So 
it was really hard for us to come up with the guest list for us to commit to who we were going to invite and then of those people who would actually be willing to make the pilgrimage out there. Yeah. And I think there's a certain amount of just needing to be flexible and go with the flow on that. I mean, obviously, it would be great if you knew an exact number. But I think when you start sending out pre-save the dates and like pre-pre-pre-invites, people get overwhelmed with all the stuff they're getting in the mail. Most of the time, it doesn't sound like they even respond to them. I think calling around or messaging people on Facebook or whatever might be your best bet for getting an estimate of who would actually be able to come but then you get people who are like oh yeah sure it sounds great I'll totally be there and then when it comes time to put the money down they're like oh no way yeah so. <laughs> yeah exactly so uh, you know the, the time for us the escape wedding was the best option because you can only have a limited number of people and we only had a limited number of people that were at the time going to be willing to go that were verbally committing to it so uh, so for us, that package worked out really well. But again, you know, coming from California versus having family on the East Coast is, is a different story. Right. Well, and something to keep in mind, too, is that you can shift between the different packages. If you're having an escape and it just looks like way too many people are coming, Disney will be happy to take your money to bump up to a wishes. And <laughs> conversely, if you're having a wishes and it just gets down to where, you know, only 10 people are coming, they can help you rejigger it so that you do an escape instead. So you don't need an exact figure immediately, but it's good to have a ballpark figure so that you can start narrowing down the venues that you'll fit in and you can estimate costs for that budget you've made. So then the last step, once you've figured out, okay, we're pretty sure we can afford this, we have a rough idea of what date we're going to go, and we know about how many people we want to at least invite, if not how many people will come, the next step is to call Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings. Their phone number is 321-939-4610. And a good rule of thumb is about 9 to 12 months out. It depends on the kind of wedding that you want to have. For wishes or couture, you can call as many as 16 months out. But for the actual tentative holding of a date, because there's the date that they can actually book your date, and there's the window in which they will pencil you in, but nothing is guaranteed, but they'll know that you want something, <laughs> which always stresses people out because it doesn't seem very final, but at least you know that they know that you want it. <laughs> so the pencil in dates, they're 16 months out for wishes and nine months out for escape, which I know makes escape brides crazy. But I think that Disney is just finding that people are planning their weddings a lot closer to the date. And so when you have somebody who calls two years out, there's a lot of time for them to change their mind. And then you've spent all this time and effort on them and they aren't even going to have a Disney wedding. So 16 months for wishes and nine months for escape. The actual booking windows, when you can sign on the dotted line and put down your money, are six months for memories. But don't stress out because there are not a ton of memories weddings. There is not a lot of competition for memories, dates, and times. It will all work out. For escape collection, it's eight months. Also, I would like you not to stress out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, there are more escape weddings. And yes, the wedding pavilion is popular, but there are many different locations for escape. So if you're flexible about the time of day or which venue you want or even the day of the week, you will probably get the one that you want. And then wishes and couture, you can actually contract at 16 months out if none of your events will take place at a convention center or the wedding pavilion. Otherwise, you have to wait till 12 months. So if you were going to have, oh, I don't know, say a ceremony in Morocco at Epcot, and then you were going to have your reception at the Living Seas in Epcot, because those aren't convention center venues, you can actually book them at 16 months out. 
and then just be prepared to wait a few days to hear back. Once you have the initial call, they'll take your basic information, how many people, the date, what kind of wedding, where you're thinking. Nothing's set in stone. Don't freak out. You're allowed to change your mind. You can even change your mind after you sign the contract. So don't worry about that. But it might take a few days to hear back. It could take even longer to get assigned a planner. And sometimes people get frustrated with how slowly things move in the beginning. But the closer your wedding gets, the more attention you will get. So don't stress out. Yeah, that's a good reminder. Don't stress out. (laughs) (laughs) So Christy, I'd love to hear a little bit about what your first steps were when Daniel first proposed and after the phone calls were made and the hubbub died down. What steps did you take to be like, okay, let's get started planning this wedding? Well, I have to say for us, actually, the thing that we started planning first was the honeymoon because I really wanted to go to Disney World. I'd gone once as a little girl and uh, I was dying to go back. And this was the perfect reason and excuse to go back. And my soon to be husband had never been. Um, He really wanted to go to Hawaii. But for me, it was like, too bad we're going to Disney World. So (laughs) (laughs) what I did was I got on the phone with my mom, actually, because she had she married my stepdad. They took their honeymoon to Walt Disney World. So she had been more recently and um, she referred me to the disc boards so I could learn about renting DVC points because at the time that was still um, fairly new. It wasn't as prominent as this day where most people rent DVC points. So I went to the disc boards, started looking into renting the points because it was like learning a whole new language to me. I'm like, what is this DVC and what is renting points? So, (laughs) So I went there and in looking at that, I actually found the Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Forum. And in there, it opened my eyes to a whole new world because then I saw that I could have my wedding at Disney, Disneyland, Disney World. I knew that Disneyland was an option because, you know, we frequent the parks, but it just seemed I imagined that the cost would be, you know, huge and there's no way we could ever afford it. So first I looked into a Disneyland wedding and it was out of our budget because we were looking for something maybe around $5,000 at the time because we wanted to really go all out on the honeymoon. And $5,000 for a wedding budget is like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's nothing, that's chump change. So we couldn't do it at Disneyland. And I wasn't really crazy about the venues that Disneyland offered anyhow. It's the, and they're beautiful. It just wasn't really, it didn't fit our taste. So I started looking at the Disney World weddings and they offered an escape package, which at the time was called the intimate package. This is like seven, eight years ago. So that was perfect. It fit within our budget and it came with a package. There wasn't a ton of planning involved. So, you know, I made spreadsheets, looked to see if a wishes wedding would be plausible or the intimate. And then, you know, spreadsheets upon spreadsheets to plan our our honeymoon and all the costs for that and guest lists. And since the escape package limits the amount of guests, like I said earlier, you know, calling the our relatives and friends or sending them messages, texting them, do you think you'd be able to make it and all of that. So um, so once we had all that narrowed down, we had decided on the escape. For us, though, we had real life events happening outside of our, our fairy tale wedding planning. And we kept having to push the wedding back, push the wedding back. And ultimately, we had pushed the wedding back so many times at that point that we finally just said, you know what, we're going to get married at home. We had a small reception with just our parents in tow at home. And we went to Disneyland for our wedding lunch reception. And then we ended up taking all of the money for the wedding and just spending it on a two-week honeymoon in Walt Disney World. So (laughs) ultimately, it worked out for us. We didn't get to have that Disney fairies tale wedding, but we decided that what we were going to do was plan a vow renewal at some point. So then when we're ready, we can have that dream sort of ceremony 
at Disney World. And for us, our our location was Seabreeze Point. That's just, it's absolutely perfect for us. We love the, the style of, you know, the old boardwalk. Just the whole area is gorgeous. It's our favorite resort. So one day we will have it and we will do the vow renewal. But unfortunately for us, it just wasn't in the cards. But we did go through all the planning and everything. We had it booked at one point and everything. Well, and that's a good point because it could be that when you start to do your research, you realize that it's not something that's going to fit in your budget or it won't fit with your family's ability to be there. And that's okay, too. This is the stage where you figure all this stuff out. And what you arrive at is the best thing for your family and your situation. And like Christy says, maybe you can save a bunch of money and have a fantastic Disney honeymoon. (laughs) Yes, and we did. So, yeah, so this is a good chance to really figure out what it is that's going to work best for you. And if it isn't a Disney wedding at this time, it could be a Disney vow renewal down the line. It could be an at-home wedding with lots of Disney touches that better fits in your budget and maybe better fits the vision that you're going for. So this is all just stuff to consider when you're first looking into whether a Disney wedding is for you. Yeah, definitely. And just take it one step at a time because, I mean, had at the time, if things are different. If they had offered the escape at Disneyland, which they now offer, that's a great option. That could have been something that we could have looked into or the memories collection is another great option because in the end we did just end up having our parents with us. And right after we got married, they had announced the memories collection. So, I mean, that is something that really could have worked for us because we've traveled to Disney world now several times and thankfully my husband loves it. Um, so but and we've traveled with my parents so that is something that could have worked for us at the time but the package just wasn't available yet so you know it might be a smaller package maybe you're really dreaming of a wishes package but don't don't count those smaller ones out because you know in order to have the dream wedding really i mean you can make it work for you Right. And I've interviewed so many memories couples and escape couples. You can hear shows, other episodes of this podcast, and they all love them. I mean, it turns out to be exactly the right fit for them. Another point would be if you are having a long engagement, you know you're going to be engaged two years or more. These things do change. Like Christy was saying, you know, they could introduce something new. They could change the options on certain things. They could open them up. Guest limits on the escape have gone up and down over the last few years. So you can keep tabs on it. And maybe by the time you're ready to have your wedding, there will be something that fits your budget and your vision. Yeah, definitely. And I would suggest also just... I I know it can be hard to remember when you're in the planning stages, but just try to be flexible because even though, you know, you may have been planning this day in your head for so many years, it's, you're only going to get the day once and everything is not going to go perfectly. Right. We know that. So (laughs) (laughs) as much as we want it to, but just, you know, be flexible in your planning because you, it may not be exactly what you dreamed of going into it, but it could be more than you hoped for coming out of it. Right. And that's usually what you hear. It's even better than I thought it would be. So, All right. Well, thanks for joining me on the show today, Christy. I think that you've offered a lot of helpful tips and hopefully we've covered everything that people need to know when they are newly engaged and looking to investigate a Disney's fairy tale wedding. And if you are newly engaged, congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at Passporter.com slash weddings.asp. 
or in print at Passporter.com and Amazon.com. <laughs>